You're listening to the Eltham Baptist Church podcast. Please turn with me to Psalm 90, um, verses 9 to 12. Psalm 90, verses 9 to 12. Excuse me, Andrew, I was wondering, could you give me a light on the congregation? I need to see who they are. Thank you, that's it, that's good, lovely. There you are. Um, I don't like talking to an empty black void. Um, So here we'll read the scripture and um, ask the Lord to minister to us through it. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. The length of our days is 70 years or 80, if we have strength. Yet their span is but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? For your wrath is as great as the fear that is due you. Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Just that last verse again. Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Amen. I have a very good friend from Queensland, but um, he has not lived uh, the majority of his life in Queensland. He's lived his life abroad, serving the Lord. His name is Andrew Savage. And I first met him in uh, Chile after the shipwreck of Logos in 1988. And we were put together on a team of 10. There were 10 of us from 10 nationalities, but Andrew and I were the most, uh, um, you know, the only two Anglo-Irish types. The rest were Latinos, German, and that type of thing. So uh, we, (laughs) that type of person. We had, uh, (laughs) Entschuldigung, (laughs) sorry all the Germans, I didn't mean to say that. You know how much I love you, Gudrun, isn't that right? And, and Andrea, and uh, who else? Uh, and Max up there, he's Austrian. Um, no, uh, so we tended to kind of group together a little bit and sing some old Sunday school songs, you know, like, um, good news, good news, Christ died for me, um, deep and wide, deep and wide, there's a fountain flowing deep and wide. You know, all you young people are looking vacantly at me um, as if I were from the ark. But those were songs that were sung just um, four decades ago. And um, we had a really good time together, Andrew and I. So um, Andrew uh, had, for, had forgotten that he was much older than me. And uh, when he turned 50, he sent me a 50 birth, 50-year-old birthday card as well. And uh, there it is. That's the card he sent me. And he said, happy birthday. But I returned the thanks and said, Andrew, thank you very much for wishing me a happy birthday, but I'm actually not 50. I'm not even nearly 50, I'm only 48. And uh, so he wrote back and said, please take that card out every year between now and 50 and you will be able to uh, learn a thing or two. And on that card, if you can see it, it's Psalm 90. And particularly that verse, uh, teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And so I've been taking it out faithfully every year since, and I've passed 50, I'm 51 now, and I still take it out, and I give you a look at it as well. But you know, um, it becomes a sobering thing to pass 50 years of age, and some would say, you're over the hill now, Um, but I don't want to believe that. We had people in our service this morning, two of them at least, who were over 90 years of age, and still loving the Lord and still serving Him, and that would be wonderful. So what does it mean to number our days aright? 
So that, this is the charge that comes from God's word to us tonight. Moses was the writer of the psalm, and uh, he was a man who lived for 120 years. His, his years were divided equally into 40, uh, 140 in Egypt, 140 uh, serving his father-in-law Jethro in the wilderness as a shepherd, and then another 40 in the wilderness leading the people of Israel. Human sheep, he, he progressed from um, uh, real sheep to human sheep. Um, and he knew what it was like to have a long life and to number his days. And um, what does it really mean for us to number our days aright? Well, I don't really think in most cases, and almost all, I don't think it means that we go to God and say, Lord, how many days are you going to give us, going to give me? Um, I only know of a few examples, some in the Bible and one in real life where the Lord actually did promise someone a, a long life and they actually received it. Um, our predecessor in Brazil, James Gunning, um, felt that the Lord promised him a long life, and indeed he did. He died at the age of 92. Hezekiah was given 50, uh, 15 more years uh, from the Lord. And um, I don't think that's what it means. Very few of us will know, maybe none of us will know, how many days the Lord will ultimately give us. But the NLT, the New Living Translation, helps us understand a little bit better how this verse works is intended to be understood. It says there, teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. And I think that's a, a really good way of looking at it. Teach us to understand or realize the brevity of life. Now, for those of you who are in your teens or less, brevity of life seems like a strange concept. How many of you, when you went to primary school, thought that the day would never end and that the week would never end and uh, the year went so slowly from birthday to birthday? And yet, when you passed into your teens, it began to speed up. I remember uh, as going from primary school to high school, it was like the day changed up two gears. The high school days went through like that compared to primary school days. And then, when I, I just want to tell you a little bit about my own uh, coming to realize how time was passing quickly. I was about 21 when I began to feel it really strongly. I was already working in uh, my trade. Um, I was a butcher for two, oh no, longer than that. I was working for four years already in that. And it was a very, very routinized, if that's a word, kind of a job. So every single Tuesday we did the same thing. Every Wednesday the same thing. Every uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and so on. It was different in that you met different people and it was slightly different, but the chores were always the same. The, the route that I took every one of those days was always the same. And I suddenly began to realize Life is going like this, it's speeding up. And what am I doing? Um, perhaps you can show the next slide there, Max, just to show you, make you a little bit. Uh, yeah, that one and that one. You can go back and forward between those two for a while. That is the area which I come from in Northern Ireland. And, and uh, it was a little area uh, hemmed in by sea and mountains. And I just went round and round that week after week, selling meat to people. And I quickly realized that my life was passing by, and I began to wonder, what am I doing with my life? Um, what will I do for the Lord? It became quite a pressing thing. And it was at the age of 21 that I felt the call and the desire to join Operation Mobilization. And why am I talking about this now? Well, it's 30 years ago now since I left to go on OM. And that's a real milestone. And if I look back, it just seems like a flash. Seriously, 
a flash. It seems just a few short years ago since I was reaching into the back of my van to pull out a stake for somebody. That was 30 years ago. And if the next 30 years go as fast as the previous 30, I'm on the rapid slide to the end of my life. You might go back to that black balloon slide again for a little bit of mourning and uh, regret. Yeah, there we go. So, I don't know, those of you who are about 50, about my age, 51, uh, may actually feel a little bit like that. But then I had uh, felt for the people who were in their 90s and their 80s and 70s, and even the 60s this morning. Some 60-year-olds came up to me to say, what are you worrying about? Um, <laughs> you're a young pup kind of thing. But you actually do feel that time is passing very rapidly. And it's a good, when you feel like that, ask yourself, what am I doing for the Lord? And that will be part of numbering our days aright. So in, a, in an attempt to number my days, I got the calculator out last night and added up all my days so far. And they came to 18,669. And um, that, that's, uh, let me see, that's a big number. Yeah. Uh, Ross Henson came up to me and he, he did the same thing during the service on his phone and he said, well, I have 20-something, 1,000 days and he's got quite a bit more than me. But how many days more am I guaranteed? Anybody give me uh, a hint as to many more days I'm guaranteed so that I might know whether to take out life insurance or not? <laughs> uh, no, you can't do that. Sure you can't. I am not guaranteed anything other than this moment. Isn't that right? And neither are you. You know, but the Lord knows. Psalm 139, verse 16. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Isn't that wonderful? The Lord himself has ordained days for us. And he knows uh, how many days we're going to have. Now, how does baptism tie into all of this? Well, for, for us, when we get baptized, it's like a new start. I know that Roger and Kalina didn't come to know Jesus today, uh, nor last week. It's, they've known Jesus perhaps for months and years already. Um, but baptism actually is like an initiation. It's like a, a new start. By coming here tonight to be baptized, Roger and Kalina are saying, we have numbered our days, we have applied our hearts to wisdom, and we are going to serve the Lord from this day forward. And all of us who have been baptized, I believe that was our intent as well. Baptism um, symbolizes quite a few things. But one thing tonight stands out in that baptism is like a death and a burial and a resurrection. And uh, we've been talking about um, numbering our days. And that implies surely that there will be a final day. There will be a day of our death. Um, it will be sometime down the road, we hope, quite a long way down the road. But tonight you're going to witness two young people dying, being buried, and being resurrected again to new life, to serve the Lord forever. And uh, that's a beautiful thing. Baptism symbolizes many, many things. It symbolizes also cleansing. Water is a symbol and or because it cleanses. It, it's not actually this H2O in this tank that takes away their sins, and they know that, but it's just a symbol of the blood of Jesus Christ that takes away sin, uh, all of our sin, if we commit it to him. 
So going back again to numbering our days aright. I used to work in a, an aircraft furnishing factory, and one of the jobs I hated most was um, taking stock. Um, inventory. I see a few nods of agreement. I had to count every rivet, every bolt, every box, every nut, and uh, get it in a little bag and say how many there were. And somebody would put a value on that. But, you know, numbering our days in many ways is like taking stock. It's having a look at what our inventory is at this moment in time. What have we done with our days? What have we got in terms of gifts and skills? And how can we use these things for the Lord? When was the last time you've sat, you sat down and took um, stock of your life? Where are you going? What direction are you going? Are you just living for yourself or are you living for the Lord Jesus Christ? It's a really wonderful place to come to um, when you realize that all you're doing is living for yourself in a self-indulgent way and that you don't want to do that anymore, but you want to live for Jesus. It's a wonderful place to get to. So numbering our days are right is taking stock of where we are at this moment in time. Now, if we can number our days aright, then we can number our days wrongly as well. And uh, I think um, going back a lot to my youth tonight, I remember when I turned 18 and one of my best friends, he also turned 18. He and I were, um, he was um, one month younger than I. And uh, I went down to his house one day and we were walking along the river just talking and he was looking down at the ground, um, walking slowly along. And he said, uh, Sam, we are 18 now. We are getting old. And uh, he said it with a real touch of melancholy and depression. And I thought to myself, no, nah, there's something not right about that. You're speaking as though you're 81 and not 18. And as if um, all hope was gone. When we, when we number our days and they are so full of regret and hopelessness like that, we're, we're in uh, the wrong uh, numbering system. We, it's not to say that regret shouldn't be part of our stock taking but it should not remain a fixed part of our stock-taking. When we look at our lives and see what has happened, what has been done, and uh, we bemoan the fact that we're really young and remain there, there's something wrong with that. We've got to look ahead and hope that the Lord Jesus has, in fact, done what he said he did. You know, Paul says in um, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, um, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works, which he has before ordained that we should walk in them. God has stuff for us to do, and it's a matter of us uh, joining him in that. Uh, Henry Blackaby, uh, an author that um, has written a book called Experiencing God, uh, has coined a phrase that um, we use a lot here. Stuart says it a lot. Um, let's see where God is working and join him. And uh, instead of bemoaning the fact that we have made many mistakes, Let's leave those at the foot of the cross and move on. But perhaps we need to get to the place of regret first. Charles Spurgeon said, um, So teach us to number our days. Instruct us to set store by time, mourning for that past time wherein we have done the will of the flesh. So when we, we come to recognize that we have served ourselves, served our flesh, spend time in mourning for that, have regret over it, but then move on as we submit it to the Lord. Another way of numbering our 
days wrongly would be to say, oh, brilliant, I'm only 72, I've got plenty of time. Or I'm only 25, I've got plenty of time. I don't need to worry about serving God yet. Have you heard that someone say that before? Maybe you have said that. I'm still so young, why would I waste my life serving God? Perhaps people say. What an inverted, perverted thought. There is no better way to spend your life than serving God. And we don't, we can't say I've got plenty of time. By the time I was 21, two of my mates were already dead. One died of cancer and another was washed up on the beach one night. Nobody knows what happens to him, happened to him. Perhaps you also have, um, you're at school, um, you're still under 18 and some of your friends have already died. There is no guarantee that you will uh, have many days. So to say, ah, I have plenty of time, is a wrong approach, a very dangerous approach. It eliminates the urgency that there is in life to um, do the will of the Lord and to live for him. So as we number our days, we are urged to apply our hearts to wisdom. And what does that mean? Well, I believe it means that um, we get to that place where we are pursuing that which is eternal, that which is lasting, that which will um, go on forever and ever and glorify God, and not that which is purely self-indulgent. The focus of the world today, um, especially in this day and age, is to indulge yourself. I was speaking to a man on the airplane last, um, I think it was Saturday. Um, I went up on Saturday and came back on Sunday, so I can't differentiate between what flights. I think it was Saturday. Um, a guy was reading a book about Brazil beside me. And I said, oh, are you going to Brazil? He said, yes, I am. I said, I used to live there. And I told him about where he should go and where he shouldn't go and stuff like that. And I said, are you going for work? And he says, no, I'm, no, I'm just going out of indulgence. And uh, I thought about that for a moment. and didn't ask him anything else. Um, but so much of today's focus is to indulge self. And that is not wisdom. That is the opposite of wisdom. We need to focus our energies and our time on what is glorifying to God. And in that way, we will be blessed. Um, I want to just uh, talk about a couple of things which I perceive to be troubling young men and women in particular today. Um, It has been my observation, and in fact I have been sucked into it myself, that um, uh, many of us are engaging in stuff and one particular thing which is not going to give eternal value. And uh, we've discussed this already this week as a, um, as a team, that the uh, addiction to computer screens is all-pervading today among young men in particular. Many of you have, cannot pass through a day without spending hours in a computer game. And I want to urge you young men, I want to tell you, that is stealing your life. It's stealing your relationship with God. It's stealing your uh, time of prayer. It's stealing your Bible reading. It's, it's stealing that time that you're supposed to be studying your lessons for school. It's stealing that time that you could be out working, earning a dollar. And I want to urge you to um, move away from that addiction. Do you find that you cannot get through a day without that stuff? There's a problem then. The man of God, the woman of God, is not addicted to anything. We were learning here on, uh, on Wednesday night at our mini Bible school called 412 
uh, we had a lecture from a psychologist, a Christian psychologist, who told us about um, the enzyme or the uh, whatever hormone is it hormone now? Dopamine. dopamine, which uh, comes when people people look for pleasure, they get a dopamine hit, and eating does it, um, and the drugs do it like exponentially. But then after that, there's a downer. Computer games also give that, and they they cause addictions. So if you find that you can't live without it, I urge you, brother, young brother, you got a problem. Move away from it. And if you need help, come and talk to some of us. Because, let me tell you how I was helped. Um, and, and I wasn't really big into it. In the first year of marriage, um, Andrea was at Bible college. I was uh, working in the church. And uh, sometimes I was working in the evenings off during the day, so I'd be at home. And guess what I did? I played Duke Nukem. You know that game? All you old guys? Uh, Duke Nukem. Amstrad computer. Do, 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 uh, going along like that. So, um, really slow compared to the new ones. And um, so Andrea said to me, you know, I don't think you should be doing that all the time. I said, okay, okay. But I went back to it. You know what she did? She deleted it from my computer. <laughs> Do you think she overstepped the mark? <laughs> No, she said it was a good move, a really good move. So I didn't have any more trouble with Duke Nukem. Number one, because I didn't know how to reinstall it. And uh, number two, I couldn't be bothered. Um, and number three, there was a newfound freedom. So then some years down the road, we got a new computer. New games came with a computer. So I got back onto Minesweeper, Solitaire, things like that. Andrea said, Sam, do you think you should really be spending all that time on that game? Oh, well, you're right now, yeah, I'll not do it. But then I went back to it. Guess what happened? <laughs> Delete it again. <laughs> but thanks to Andrea, um, I can now don't have a problem. I don't have to have her delete my games because I don't have any. Um, the Lord has delivered me from that time-wasting thing. And I, I want to say that there's hope for you too. You don't need to get married to get rid of it, but um, <laughs> hey, wives, uh, if you find your husband is uh, spending too much time on computer games, delete it. I'll, t I'll take the rap. <laughs> yeah. No, but I just say that because it's seriously, it's a very, very bad problem. A very bad problem. And then maybe, maybe girls, so she don't get off scot-free. Um, what about social media? Is that bugging you? Is that taking in your time? And then, of course, I was talking to a man after church today. He said, well, you never said anything about TV. He said, I used to sit until 3 in the morning watching Hoover ads. You know, he said, I, I was so addicted to screens, I watched the Hoover ads. So he says, we kicked the TV out of the house and we don't have one anymore. It might come to that for you too. Just number your days, see what you're spending your days at. And if there's something addictive there, pack it in for, for God's sake and for your sake, for your relationship's sake and for everyone's sake. So uh, where are we? Um, okay. So just, um, I suppose turning 50, as I said, is a milestone. Um, I remember when our pastor in Northern Ireland said that, that uh, it really woke him up, that I was only about 40 at the time. But now it it, uh, it's my turn. And I get into bed almost every night, and I say, wow, that's one day less that I have, and one day nearer to heaven. How am I spending my life? That may sound morbid, but I think it's actually uh, healthy. Francis Chan uh, wrote an article called, Did You Ever Think About Your Death? 
And in it, he mentions a verse from Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 2. And this is a weird thing. You know, all you guys who love to go to parties, look at that verse. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For death is the destiny of every man. The living should take it to, this to heart. What a sobering verse. The medieval scholar Thomas Akempis said this, Blessed is the man or woman who keeps the hour of his death ever in mind and daily prepares himself to die. Have you ever heard of that? Have you ever thought of that? You see, when I was growing up, I was not protected from the reality of death. Um, it seems today that children could be forgiven if they uh, believed that only magpies, kangaroos, and rabbits died because death has been sanitized from our society. When was the last time you saw a funeral procession going through a, a town street? When was the last time? You come to funeral services now and the body's not even there. It has, has been predisposed of. So all you have is a memorial. Why? Because we want to sanitize ourselves of death. Um, when I was six, my grandfather died. I was taken to the funeral. When I was seven, my grandmother died. And I asked to be able to see my grandmother. My dad took me to the door of the room and he said, off you go, have a look. He stayed at the door. I had to go in by myself and see her. And um, then I used to go with him to erect gravestones. He was a stonemason who erected gravestones, and um, death was ever before me. And um, for that reason, I think uh, the last day in the judgment of Christ was very pertinent. Here you have uh, an old typical funeral procession in Ireland. Uh, even to this day, when someone dies in my town, this is what happens. They walk from the house to the graveyard, through the town. The shops shut their windows, the cars stop, pull the blinds down, and they wait when the funeral passes, they open up again. When a person dies, they are waked at home for three days. You, you've all heard of the Irish wake. Um, but in that, the, the people come to the home. They talk about the deceased, the good times, the bad times. They spend three days in mourning. And then they together take the body to the graveyard. In our society today, the messenger death has been gagged. And we are impoverished as a result. We don't have that warning voice speaking to us about the reality of the day of our own death. Every time you see a coffin going through the town, you say, oh, my day is coming. Not to be morbid, but to think, how am I spending my life? How can I best spend it for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ? We must not trivialize our death either. Um, one uh, thing that is going contrary to the trend you know, the trend of hiding death, is Costco. Um, I don't know if you've been to Costco lately, but they've now started to sell coffins in the shop there. And um, this was very, very confronting for many people. Some people, when they see it, they jump out of their skin and change aisles. Other people laugh and giggle. Other people become angry. So Andrea spoke to the shop attendant there in Costco's and asked her about people's reactions. And she was very matter-of-fact about it. She said, these people are they're stupid because everybody has to die, so why shouldn't we sell these uh, coffins? And Andrea was able to tell her that as Christians, we have got hope after the grave, glorious hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. But there were many people who, when they see the coffin there in Costco's, begin to make jokes. 
and they trivialize death. I'm sure we've all done it. But that's a kind of a, an evasive um, tactic, isn't it? It's a kind of a, a dodge of the issue. It is a wise thing, I think, to realize that one day our life will come to an end. But it's not so much the death that's the issue. It's what comes afterwards. And Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 says, Just as man is destined to die once, and after that to face the judgment. The King James says, For it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. I like the, the appointment idea. We have an appointment with God, all of us, that we will not be able to wriggle out of. This week I double booked, and um, I thought to myself, how am I going to get out of this one? And I, I managed to get out of it. But I won't get out of the appointment with the judge, Christ himself, and neither will you. Because uh, in Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, Paul tells us, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. And uh, this is another very important reason why we should number our days. Because there's a day coming when we'll give account for every day that we've lived. You know, sadly, there are those who go through life without giving thought one thought to that day. Francis Chan, again, who's a pastor in the United States, you may have heard of him. He recently had to go and visit a dying man in hospital. He wasn't an old man. He was a young man, but he was dying. And um, Francis wanted to speak of him, of uh, the gospel, uh, forgiveness of sin of Jesus, the last day, judgment. But this man was having none of it. All he wanted to talk about was uh, palliative care, freedom from pain, a good passing, and he had no thought for what came after. That man was going to his death like a dumb animal, not perceiving that his life is much, much more than the 70, 80 years that we have here on earth. And in his case, it wasn't even that. Have you given thought to the day of your death? Have you given thought to the day of judgment? Are you ready to face the Lord? You know, the good news is you can be ready. You can find peace, forgiveness, and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How much unrighteousness is he able to forgive us from? All. There's nothing beyond the scope of that. And Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So whether you're a Christian here tonight or whether you're not a Christian, I want you to consider for even five minutes that you're a, per you're a temporary resident here. Um, some two, three years ago, we gained the status of permanent residence in Australia. Joke, we're not. Neither are you, even though you're a citizen. You're only a temporary resident. And one day you will go to your permanent place. Are you ready? If you'd like to speak to us, we'll be here after to speak to you. May the Lord bless you.
How's this one going? Great. Thank you for that. Apart from Jesus Christ, I wonder what is the best day ever spent by mortal man. Of course, I would have to go back to before the fall, wouldn't we? We'd have to go back to when things were perfect. And, and apparently, that's when Adam and Eve would walk with God in the cool of the evening. A day well spent is a, is a day walking with God. We read on in Genesis and discover a man by the name of Enoch who had a close walk with God. In fact, so close that one day he just kept on walking and went home to be with God. The psalmist, the sons of Korah say in uh, Psalm 84, verse 10, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. One day spent in the presence of God is better than a, than a thousand anywhere else. A day well spent is a day walking with the Lord. And we're going to um, celebrate now uh, the baptism of two of our young folk uh, here at EBC. And these folk have decided to, to spend their days well, to walk with their Lord through, firstly, the waters of baptism. But then this is symbolic of the start of something very big in their life. This is the start of following Jesus all of their days, recognizing that by following him through the waters of baptism, they are symbolizing uh, the fact that they have died to self. They have risen to a whole new life, a life that is now founded in Jesus Christ. He himself resides within them. And that walk is, is the most close and intimate walk anyone could have with God. These are going to be days very, very well spent in his presence. So I'd like to, um, like to invite them to come forward. And, and I didn't know, what order do we have here, guys? Is, is it ladies first? Kalina, are you, are you up? Yeah, would you like to? Great. Uh, why don't you come and come and join us here? Put your hands together. Perhaps you can tell us a little bit about um, the decision that you've made and what brings you to to this this moment. Um, so um, yeah, a while ago I wanted to yeah give my life to Jesus. Like since basically because I was brought up into a Christian family. Um, yeah, so I wanted to, um, yeah. Okay, I'll just start that again. <laughs> um, so my name's Kalina. I was, um, yeah, born in Poland in 2002. Um, my parents were church planters in Poland. Um, yeah, so I was born to a Christian family, and yeah, so we did all the things that normal Christians do. So that, yeah, we went to church, which at that time was our home there, um, before we got the building. Um, yeah, we prayed, we read the Bible, yeah. So I was, um, yeah, I grew up with two cultures, um, yeah, from my mom's side was Pol like Polish folk culture, and my dad's was Australian, um, yeah, so we all know the two languages. Um, yeah, so we went to a Polish, me and my older brother Tom, we went to a Polish school there, um, yeah, and um, yeah, I usually from that time I kind of feel like a loner and an outsider, I guess. Um, yeah, because the kids didn't talk to me as often as to the other children. Um, yeah, so I usually, yeah, felt, yeah, alone. And, yeah, and I remember sitting with my mum, yeah, and asking if um, God's actually real. And, um, yeah, she answered, like, God is like the wind. You may not see him now, but you can see the effects of his work. And that, like, really spoke to me at that time. 
and yeah, I thought like, oh, that's enough. But obviously it wasn't. Um, yeah, so a big moment in my life was um, when we're on a furlough in Australia. Um, yeah, and um, my mum and dad called for a family meeting and they said, oh, okay, so come to the living room. I'm like, okay, okay, I'll go. They, it's probably gonna be something big because yeah, it's not usual. Um, and then, yeah, and I was like, uh, half jokingly, half seriously, I said, oh, are we gonna stay in Australia forever? And they're like, yeah. And then at that moment, I'm like, oh. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so I was so shocked and yeah, I was like, yeah, I was like really sad and yeah, I was crying for a while. Um, yeah, and then I felt great peace and I was like, okay, everything's gonna be okay, God is with me. Um, yeah, even though like we're basically leaving our whole life behind, like our family, church, mom and dad's jobs, um, yeah, schools, like everything behind, we had, like our whole world's gonna change. Um, yeah, and a thing that really helped me in that time was, I guess, um, music. So I listened to a lot of Christian music then, and one of my favorite songs um, was a song called Mercy, Mercy by Hillsong, and I'm gonna read out some of the lyrics. Mercy, mercy, bring my heart to my knees. As the morning calls to light the dark in me, heaven's story breathing life into my bones. Spirit, lift me from this wasteland, leave me home. Now I find my life in yours, my eyes on your name. Release the chains in me. Awake my soul to the hope you hold. Your grace is all I need. Humble glory, choose to carry all my shame. Gracious fury, written in my Savior's scars. Mercy, mercy, now engraved upon my heart. Arrest my heart from its reckless path. Yeah. Um, yeah, and when we're like there and after, we found that God answered every single one of our prayers, like the big and the little, which was really amazing. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, like, I guess that was a real time of trial for me. Um, yeah, and I found now that I can trust him with my life, and yeah, no matter what happens, he'll be always there by my side, holding me up, strengthening me. Um, yeah, and I want to build um, my faith on a, self, a solid foundation of his word. And then I'll read out Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave, me, gave himself for me. Yeah. Thanks, Kalina, so much. He can be trusted. And this is a lovely way of, of symbolising that trust in Jesus Christ. I invite Andrea to, to lead you. Okay, Kalina, I want to ask you in front of everyone here, do you confess that Jesus Christ is your Saviour and your Lord? I do. Well, on profession of your faith, I want to baptize you now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, cross your arms. Wonderful. Thank you, Kalina. Roger. Where are you? Come up, Roger. Blair. You're going to... 
Likewise, Roger, we'd love to love to just hear how it is that that you've come to this decision and are here tonight. Uh, hey, everyone. <coughs> Sorry, I'm Roger, and yeah, as Stu just told me, uh, told you all, um, I grew up in a Christian home, so I've known God all my life. Um, I was a missionary for the first ten years in Africa, so that was pretty fun. Um, yeah, so I've attended church for most of my life, uh, and uh, I decided to um, give my life to God at the age of three when I was at a conference in Kenya. Uh, I've always kind of known God, but I'd always wanted to know him at a better level, so I started attending youth group last year, and that's that helped me to know what to do. I knew that I needed to read the Bible and pray to God every day, but I never found the time to do any of that, so I eventually put God second. I started walking away from God sometime last year, and I made massive mistakes that I regret for the rest of my life now. It wasn't until the start of this year that I uh, went to a camp, um, which I was challenged there and I recommitted my life to God. I was still struggling with identity though. I wasn't sure who I was, where I was with God. And it wasn't until a friend from school um, recommended a Bible plan to me that was on identity. And that Bible plan really helped um, me know where I was. I wanna get baptized today um, to make a public declaration to everyone, all my friends, family, um, that I want to live for God, do what God wants me to do. Thank you. Thanks, Roger. Call me in. <laughs> Warm? Yeah. Good. Um, Roger, do you confess that Jesus Christ is both your Lord and Saviour? I do. And based on your confession, I now baptise you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thanks so much, guys. There's the, the testimony given in words here, but there is also the testimony of baptism itself. It's a very, very powerful symbol, and it reminds us of a number of things, that, that this life, this Christian life, is, is not some religious or legalistic type experience where we try to appease God by a, by a life of good works, but, but in actual fact, it's dying to all of that, dying to that try-hard life, dying to self and uh, actually allowing the life of Christ to, to raise you up as a whole new person. And there's a very, very powerful symbol in that. We die to self. We are actually literally buried just like Jesus was. And then in the same way that the power of God brought Jesus back to life, the power of God also brings us back to life. It, it raises us up to be a whole new person. It's like literally, as Jesus said to Nicodemus, being born again. And that life is possible because of the Spirit of God. Uh, what better way to understand what it means to have the Spirit of God in you than to, to be immersed in the water, to be saturated, to 
to have water all over you and and in a sense that symbolizes also what it means to to be a christian it means to be saturated with god to have this experience of his spirit now dwelling within you and and affecting every area of your life and of course then being obedient to this command is a declaration of that obedience that comes as a disciple as a follower of jesus to learn to be obedient to everything that jesus had commanded that's what a disciple is and so thank you thank you guys for that powerful testimony i wonder if there's somebody else here tonight who also needs to to follow their lord jesus christ through the waters of baptism it's something that jesus asked us to do he asked us to do it to make that declaration here on earth while we have breath in our lungs and he asked us to do it so that, as it were, we, we nail our, our colors to the mast. We make that declaration, yes, Jesus, I belong to you. I have died to myself. It's no longer I that, that lives. But yes, it's Jesus Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's, that's what the declaration is, as Kalina shared with us, that, that very, very special verse. And I wonder if that is very very special for somebody else here tonight a little bit like like roger you can you can look back from many many years ago that you made the decision to follow jesus christ but there is this this little step that you are yet to take on the one hand it feels like an enormous step but with god's strength and and through the leading of his holy spirit it's just the next step in a series of steps of walking all your days with your lord and a day walked with the Lord in the presence of the Lord is a day well spent. We thank you again, Sam, for, for that reminder. If, if you feel that that is a step that you need to take, um, please feel free. There's a number of the pastoral team um, here at the front, around the back, in different places. Please feel free to, to come and grab us and to, to have a chat with us. We'd love to, love to explore that possibility with you and, and to also allow you the opportunity to, to follow Jesus through the waters of baptism. Well, I'm going to invite the band to, to come up um, as, I, as I pray now. And uh, after they're going to lead us in a little bit more worship, we then want to, want to have a time of prayer um, for Roger and Kalina. And uh, we have a special way of doing that. I won't, I won't bore you with the details at the moment, but we'll come and come and explain that to you in, in just a moment. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this evening. We thank you for the wonderful testimony of Roger and Kalina, of, of your power in their life and their desire to follow you all their days. We, we want to bless them in your name. And, and we thank you for the reminder for each of us that it is only Christ, it is only you, and by your power, that we are able to enjoy this, this new life. We thank you for the reminder, Father, that no matter what our background is, no matter where we've come from, you have it covered. You are enough to cleanse us from all sin. We thank you. We want to... Con Commit the rest of this evening into, into your hands. The Holy Spirit, would you continue to lead us as we worship you through song and through prayer and, and indeed in each of us, surrendering afresh our lives to you. Let it be the start of a great week. Walked in your presence. We ask this in your name. Amen. You've been listening to the Eltham Baptist Church Podcast. 
If you'd like to hear more or simply pay us a visit, go to www.elthambaptist.net.